to Waking Youth. Today I'll be talking to my dear friend João Góis. Welcome João. And we're currently doing our quarantine in the countryside of Portugal. That's why you can hear the birds, I think. I have to express how grateful I am for having the opportunity to be uh, spending my quarantine uh, with you, but also with my friends, with my family. Everyone is safe and we have food and I can work on what I love. And so... I'm very grateful and I'm really trying to use this time to look within, but I just feel like I wanted to express this gratefulness. Absolutely. And I invited Joelle, not only because we're a bit bored and mm -hmm. we wanted to do something fun and creative, but also because you really inspire me. You two are in a search for truth, for authenticity, freedom, and that's amongst other things what I love about you. Uh, yeah, the fact that you reject conformity, you want to live and build a life worth living and explore all the options, people, jobs, ideas with me and not with me while somehow staying true to yourself. So thank you for being you. That's really sweet. And thank you for being here, even though you had no other option. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, that was a very sweet introduction. Uh, hi, everyone. Um, no, I, I must say this is also really inspiring to be part of this project with you. I think, uh, and I've told you this already, I think it's amazing that you're actually going forward with this idea, um, with all the doubts and insecurities that it carries with, but I think it's exceptional when people actually try out new stuff and have the courage to develop this kind of projects. So, congrats, and Thank I'm happy you. to be part of it. Thank you. Let's do this. So. In my last episode, I talked with Gorang a lot about stories and owning your story. So I think a nice way for us to start this episode today would be for us to introduce our story. Okay. I think we know each other since we're three years old. Yeah, that should be yeah. right, yeah. Uh, because we're going to the same Catholic school, the same school that we went to for uh, how many years of our lives? <laughs> I don't know, like 16. Yeah. And I remember also that our fathers knew each other, so... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so we come from the same bubble, we come, both of us come from Porto, Catholic school, and by chance, uh, we were always in the same class. Uh, yeah, that's true. We were, I mean, it was not by chance, we had to choose, like, who do you want to be in class for the following year, and we would always put each other. I mean, I would but put you, don't... I don't know if you would put me, but I would put you, <laughs> as, like, I want to be right there. <laughs> yeah, but that was only until, like, in high school you couldn't do that. Yeah, because we, we both studied, like, economics. Yeah, but we went, yeah, exactly. We... We're super different, but we somehow ended up studying yeah. the same career. Interesting. But we are similar at the same time, and it's, uh, I wanted to actually talk uh, this further along. Um... But it's cool to see that even like when we were we were little, we knew what we wanted to do. And I remember when we were like in fifth, sixth grade, we uh, so you and me, uh, we organized this newspaper slash magazine in our class. Yeah, that's true. And now we're both studying communication. So that's cool to see and go back, you know, well, we always wanted to share stories, exactly. <laughs> share the truth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and then we were always in the same class until you went to Spain, to IE University, to study communication. Yeah, things got a bit claustrophobic in Portugal for me, um, but we'll talk about that later. And it got to a point where I knew that I wanted to study abroad. Um, I was kind of fascinated by 
everything that was out there to discover in a circle different from ours, which was really privileged and I'm really grateful for it. But at the same time, it came with some downsides, obviously, and the fact that it was a bit closed minded. Um, uh, I think it was for both of us kind of a burden and that's why I went abroad and then you came along and that was awesome. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, I came along, well, it wasn't quite like that. I remember when you went, you were so sure about it, but I was just like contemplating your decision. I thought I would never have the guts to do the same. And so I stayed, I was studying communication also, so we were both still studying the same thing, now f apart yeah. for the first time. Yeah, you were in Portugal. I, I was in Portugal and, and I remember that you came for Christmas break. Yeah, um, 2016. Yeah. And you came and everything was, I thought everything was fine and you come with tears in your eyes and you come uh, with a very, like, I need to talk to you now look. <laughs> I think I called you to my house. Uh, it's funny because uh, uh, it was like the day, 1st of January, I was quite hungover. Uh, I'm starting to realize that a lot of important things in my life happened hangover. That might have a common line. But yeah, I woke up and um, and uh, I was talking to your uh, ex-boyfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about you and I was expressing my concerns like, dude, you have no idea, she's completely missing out. There's like this all other world out there where you can be whoever you want and explore yourself and you meet people from all around the world. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that idea, not that it was the first time I was thinking about it, but that idea kind of grew on me and I was like, no, 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 enough. She, she needs to come to Spain. Like mm -hmm. this is going to be amazing and life changing for her. And I think, yeah, we had that conversation. Yeah, and I remember that when you told that to me and you said, like, okay, do something for yourself, you know? Like, we always talk about how we want to do something cool and different, but, like, what are you actively doing on a daily basis to do something for yourself and to be that person? And the, I remember that at first, like, I wasn't even, like, considering it an option. Like, ah, okay, he's, like, there saying for me to go study abroad. It wasn't even to Spain, just, like, he said, go abroad. And, and then, like, it started growing on me. And then I talked to my parents and, and I applied. And for them, at, in the beginning, it was it was a struggle because that's really not the script, the social script in Portugal. Like you stay in in Porto um, and you stay in Portugal at least and only for a master's or something you go abroad. Yeah, abroad yeah. And I also like was uh, living up to the expectations of other people. I was not choosing living the life that I wanted to live. I didn't know there was a different life that I want to live. But then I did apply, and then I looked back while when I was already in Spain. So I was very grateful for having you and and Jose at that time to like give me that wake up call, like do something, you know, like yeah. don't be in fulfilled potential. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I also remember like that I felt very guilty because I wasn't enough to make that change and to realize that I was not happy. I was not being, uh, I was not being authentic. I didn't know what, like I was being authentic in a way. Like that's a whole topic that will we can discuss after what is what is authenticity. But yeah, I wasn't enough, and so now I'm. I think I'm constantly making sure that I'm not in that sleep stage, sleeping stage. So that's kind of I the, the whole idea of this podcast. So thank you for being that wake up call, and thank you also for always giving me the space to figure out things by myself. One of the most important things I think in friendships is also to allow other people like to have their space and have other friends and other people in their lives to make like, and to fail. Yeah. 
So, I mean, yeah. I, I think, uh, well, you don't have to thank me, but I think that this is what you were saying that you, you kind of, you felt some sort of shame or you felt guilty for guilty. not taking yeah. that decision by yourself. Um, but I think it's because you're, you're afraid and sometimes you don't even realize it, but you're afraid of making those decisions because it's much more comfortable to just stay uh, where we are most of the times. And I think that um, as a friend, uh, and you would do and you did the same for me, uh, I think it's our role to kind of open your eyes and be like, hey, yes, you're doing fine. There's nothing wrong. And in this specific case, there was nothing wrong, but there's something better. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's normal that sometimes we don't acknowledge that for ourselves. Uh, and that's why I think we look, we want to surround ourselves always with people that bring, bring us, uh, that allow us to evolve and to, mm -hmm. and to grow. And I think that's, and, and that was kind of the whole point behind it is like, uh, I mean, I love Portugal and I love, um, our surrounding in Portugal. I think we, we, we've always been very privileged to be with amazing people and a lot of friends that we still maintain today. But the reality is that going abroad and what I was understanding is that I was surrounding myself with people that would, were allowing me to grow. Um, I was not that in Portugal they weren't, it's just that now you're in a, in a space where everyone is just so different. You talk a lot about like you went abroad and you could explore and you could be yourself, like what, the, what did that actually mean for you? What part of yourself did you like could flourish there? I think there are several parts of myself that were flourishing certainly, but I think I got to the point, uh, a point of almost an identity crisis that I needed to solve. And that's very much related with my sexuality as well. Um, while I was in Portugal, I wasn't able to explore it uh, to the full potential, to explore myself to my full potential. And going outside allowed me to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so right now uh, I identify myself as gay. Uh, I started by identifying as bisexual, but when I was younger, I would identify as straight. That doesn't really matter. But the point here is that I was going through a struggle on who am I and who do I want to portray myself to be to the world. And in Porto, I was not being able to do that because I was full. I was feeling like there was too many expectations for who I have to become. And maybe those expectations were placed there by myself, but, but I don't think so. I think mm -hmm. the, the environment that we were growing in would put... Uh, a bit too much expectations on who we need to be and, and uh, a little bit of a format that was established for who we need to go be when we grow up that I was kind of trying to run away from. Even the degree, like, I mean, I was going to study management in Portugal because uh, that was what everyone did. I was going to go and study in a school, in a university that is literally across my, my house. And I didn't want that. I, and I, I think I found um, IE was kind of a package um, of opportunities for me where mm -hmm. I could explore a different area that I wanted to to see communication like I wanted to flourish in that area uh, I needed to explore my identity my mm -hmm. sexual identity and just my individuality so yeah there was a lot of opportunities out there mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense and in different ways um, in different ways we had this struggle I think that for you it was struggle that you only deconstruct and understand understood the layers that were there that are not still now for you to bring to the surface of just having like People have expectations for you um, and there's a moment you realize, okay, but what do I want? And for me, and I think for you, our hero's journey, and this started with going abroad and we have a whole life ahead of us to understand what it is to be authentic. But I just want to, I brought this uh, quote by Brene Brown that I think fits perfectly in here. and. The point of also this episode was to talk a little bit of authenticity and owning our story and who, what, it, what is it to be authentic. And so she makes the distinction between fitting in and belonging. So 
in her words, she says, fitting in is about assessing a situation and becoming who you need to be to be accepted. Belonging, on the other hand, doesn't require us to change who we are. It requi requires us to be who we are. She also adds that fitting in is the greatest barrier to belonging. It couldn't be more clear. Mm. I feel like I was completely trying to fit in in Portugal because I didn't, like, I, I had you, but I didn't have those many people that understood me, like, in an in a, like intellect level. Uh, not that I'm saying, it's just, like, the, the things that I'm interested, like, I couldn't discuss those things. And I didn't even know that I like discussing those yeah. things because those things were not discussed at all like what was discussed like what are other people doing and there's nothing wrong with that it was just it's just not this, the type of stuff that i meant to and so i was trying to fit in and i didn't realize how much i i developed insecurities and loneliness she says that loneliness actually starts when we uh, are trying to fit in when you're trying to fit in, you're not belonging. Belonging is something that happens naturally. And when you truly belong, you don't have to wear any masks because you are wanted in the community that you're into. And so you don't feel lonely. And yeah, I want to talk about also your process and my process of being your friend and seeing your process of trying to fit in. That stuff really, I believe, like really gets ingrained in you in levels that not me as your best friend can understand. And I only understood the depth of it only I think this year, last year, when you were in this process of like an understanding yourself and coming out and talking about it publicly, um, that it's something that it's it's hard. At the end of the day, like, what do you want? Who do you who who are you? You know. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Who are you? <laughs> um, I still don't know the answer, but I'll update you on that. Uh, no, definitely. I think the quote you said by Brené Brown is is uh, is perfect, and it it really fits in. And I think in my process, and I think in the process of a lot of gay people, um, you kind of, you survive your, your childhood by learning how to conform to the expectations of others. Mm -hmm. um, and at a time that you should be learning how to follow your own internal promptings, uh, and you're not. Because you need, you're almost like a puppet, uh, because you believe that you act in, in acceptable ways. The fact that you don't play football or that you like certain uh, activities that are more feminine. Um, you you believe about yourself that that's unacceptable so so you can't really trust your own personality so you just your only option is to meet the expectations of others mm -hmm. and this creates a huge level of shame and Brene talks a lot about that shame, uh, shame vulnerability yeah, courage exactly yeah. and I'm currently reading a book uh, by Alan Downs it's a clinical psychologist called The Velvet Rage and it talks the, about can you repeat that The Velvet Rage The Velvet Rage okay. and it talks about um, overcoming the struggle of like being gay in a straight man's world mm -hmm. and and it talks a lot about this this process of growing up um, it, it's it's not the fact that you're homosexual that is a problem uh, is the fact that you're in a in an environment that teaches you that you're unacceptable mm -hmm. uh, not because you're gay necessarily but because you're not a real man um, you don't you don't have sort of like the characteristics which well we could go for one hour talking about toxic masculinity, but you also have that pressure. Being a male, you have the pressure of toxic masculinity, and not only you don't fulfill that because it's impossible to fulfill the, that pressure that is put on men mm -hmm. nowadays, or since always, but you don't feel it because there's something inherent to your reality that just doesn't allow you to do it. So when you're exploring... Can you, can you expand on that? I didn't get that. Um, because I think that... Gay, gay people are almost like a, um, a blending of testosterone with gentleness, hypersexuality, delicate sensuality, like you're, you're masculine, but at the same time you're gentle, 
there there's a, a unique blend of uh, characteristics that is usually uh, attributed to gay people. Okay, but that's so you, that makes a lot of sense. But is that like that's not inherent to being gay? That's just like the mix of like you being gay because you're gay and the like the the expectations and like. The, how you unfold as you grow up because of the, what society expectations yeah it's not inerrant but it kind of somehow appears in a lot of guys because uh, gay guys and, and he explains that in the book because of the process of growing up is very similar mm-hmm. um it, it, it touches a lot on the, um, the relationship with your father the relationship with other men mm-hmm. uh because you're kind of growing up excluded from the male society like like if you if you remember me growing up i didn't have any guy friends that yeah. like i think most of them they were probably turned out to be gay uh, I don't know but, but most of um, I didn't really fit in that group so I was always surrounded by girls and you kind of start acquiring some of those values mm-hmm. that girls have so there, there's a, a full complex situation growing up when you're uh, going on when you're growing up and I think this culminates in an inability for you to validate yourself and mm-hmm. I think that's the that's the biggest pr- problem is that you're in a crisis of, of identity and mm-hmm. you don't feel enough to validate yourself, so you look for the validation in others. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in the in the book he talks about three phases. It's like overwhelmed by shame, compensating for shame, and mm-hmm. then um, cultivating authenticity. Mm-hmm. And I think that in that first stage is what I was feeling in Portugal, and maybe part of it even today, which you're just like, there's something wrong about me. And you kind of believe there's something wrong about you because when you and even though we of course rationally i don't and and maybe i, I also already evolved from that process but you kind of feel it mm-hmm. because it's like there's something i'm not like other people and that's when you start navigating yourself mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. actually have that realization i think you've had that realization in a different way Me? when you yeah mm-hmm. when you started understanding that you were also not fitting in in a certain extent in the environment that you were in porto Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I think yeah no, ju- I just have to interrupt this and say that I'm super proud that we're having this conversation here because mm-hmm. like I as you were speaking I was like traveling back in time it's just like wow you know it's yeah. so cool <laughs> that you're talking so openly about this, uh because I really think it's helpful for a lot of people but yeah I think that uh, yeah I've I've seen you like and I wanted to ask you like a practical example of how do you think you try to compensate and look for that outside um, approval. Like, usually you're looking, you have a process of, a self-sustaining process of self-validation. So you're growing up and you learn how to validate Mm -hmm. yourself. Um, In our case, a lot of times you become quite sophisticated in the ways that you're coercing acceptance from others. Um, Because you you kind of, you, you understand that you need to find kind of masks that validate you so uh, for example you become more creative uh, you become kind of a master of superficial things of mm-hmm. image of uh, mastering the discourse i'm not saying that it happens for everyone but yeah. for example that certainly happened for me it's like okay i have something that people are rejecting about me and even before i understand what that was because mm-hmm. i think that for me maybe it came a bit late because i was in a process of self-denial that was quite long but at the same time, I was creating, all, uh, I was attaching myself to, okay, what are your strengths? What are the stuff mm-hmm. that you have that works in this world? And I, I went for my looks and I care- crafted my appearance in a way that would kind of made me superior fit or fit in. No, I was trying uh, to be superior, superior you know, yeah. I was trying to be better than... Uh, That's I the have... second stage overcompensating, no? 
overcompensating maybe yeah. I, I think the stage is already overcompensating because uh, and even you you remember I was super bitchy when I was younger I was trying to be better than others uh, I was trying to always look smarter and, and, and um, I would even use money sometimes as I would get everything that was that would make me superior to others I would attach myself to that mm -hmm. in order to overcompensate for the shame that I was feeling mm -hmm. I think it's it's I don't know if I explained it correctly but it's no it's something like this yeah it makes perfect sense and if I go back in time also like uh that kind of worked and it's kind of sad like of course it's in a way it's good because like that made you fit in but like the obviously the purpose should be for us to belong and not wanting desperately to fit in and to be part of something is for us to be that naturally because we're being our authentic selves but it worked like i remember in high school a lot of like typical male um noticed that there was something different about you but they didn't criticize it and they they stopped bullying you at some point because you were successful like not particularly with grades but because like you 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 were in the students government and like you had a good relationship with the teachers and you were a person that was driven and you knew what you were doing so like and you were so nice that they had nothing to point Uh, point out about you so it kind of worked you know and that's the yeah the sad thing about our reality you, I think that's what you do in a sense is like you manufacture this beauty uh, in your life that is perceptive for the ones that are outside you want to have the most fabulous life the one mm -hmm. that looks uh, perfect so that there's no way that someone can criticize you mm -hmm. um, you do see a common threat on uh, gay people having good grades and all of that yeah. I, it's not my case just because I really didn't enjoy <laughs> studying <laughs> Um, but I certainly started decorating my world, decorating my life, like making it. And, and although I don't think it was something wrong or fake about it, there certainly was. Mm -hmm. Because although instead of focusing on being myself and being the child that laughs and plays and do, does whatever he wants to be and express himself naturally, I was always very composed, very um, consciously thinking of what am I portraying to others. And that's necessarily unhealthy mm -hmm. <laughs> because... Um, you're you're supposed to be authentic when you're young, mm -hmm. you know, and then maybe the world kind of starts corrupting you for a while, and then you go back to the process of authenticity. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I cannot look back and remember a moment in my life when I when I felt authentic, and that's the problem because I can't find me in all of this story. And I've told you already, like there's a lot of my childhood I'm I completely erased from my mind because. Mm -hmm. Maybe because it was invented or maybe because I was afraid of embracing what was going on that I, I, I was numb f throughout big part of it mm -hmm. um, so Yeah, but that makes me like as you're speaking like for sure I don't know if I said this before already, but I can't even understand the extent to like how much that affected you and the person that you are now like I'm Again, very proud that you're speaking up, but yeah, and I think that's why 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 it is important for us to speak up about our stories it's just like no i'm not gonna like just invite my best friend to talk about his process of coming out because no yeah. no because this is important a lot of people in ways that we can't even imagine have this kind of secret they're trying to hide from society and this mask they're putting in so it's really just about trying to be authentic and i just want to say that it's very tricky this thing of authenticity and for, for example like today i was listening to this podcast um by Brene brown with alicia, alicia keys and Even Alicia Keys is trying to be authentic, you know? So I think for all of us, and of course there's some groups that it's more than others, have to have this process of like deconstructing themselves and their beliefs and their and their their persona to understand like what is a product of society and what it's actually what is what is mine, who am mm. I, what do I want to do, what, what am I passionate about? 
Um, so yeah, this is kind of a universal thing. Yeah, I'm very curious about how this process was for you. So I'm gonna ask you this question. Um, what was it inside of you? Because even when you like when you went to Spain, you didn't just simply come out because you were in Spain. Like there was something that was slowly growing. I I believe that in you. I suppose. Uh, and then and then you until you finally re- reached the point where you're like okay. I'm gonna be myself, whatever that means, I'm gonna do it. And so I'm very curious because I think that um, a lot of people might be holding masks. We certainly also hold masks that we don't even know. Uh, What would you say to someone uh, that also has that secret or that mask and is debating whether to be transparent and be honest uh, to the world and to himself, herself, and, 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 and be authentic and So when was that for you, and what advice would you give to people? Okay, you're putting me in a hard <laughs> position. I don't know how to give advice, but um, I think it's when you understand there's n- nothing you can do about it. Uh, when you reach to that point where you're like, okay, this is a part of me that I'm gonna have to accept sooner or later, and then of course you start looking for references and... Um, Uh, online, you, you find an amazing book about homosexuality. Yeah, that, that, that came after. That came like yesterday. Um, <laughs> could have could have appeared in my life before, actually. Or movies like Call Me by Your Name. Yeah, that that yes. was a big one, actually. It's funny that I mentioned it because I watched um, when I watched Call Me by Your Name. It was the first time that I believed that it was possible to be gay and to be happy. <laughs> Although the movie is not that f- that positive. Um, It was the first time that I was exposed to, like, what it is to navigate the emotions of a relationship between two men, mm-hmm. and that's something that, and, and um, when I when I came out as as bisexual first was because in reality, and and I mean up until up until today, I'm also still navigating my relationship with girls, but I think for in the beginning when I actually acknowledged to myself, okay, there's something different about you, your sexuality, you're not straight. Like when I acknowledged, like <laughs> I'm not straight. Um, there was still that idea. And I would tell myself that, okay, but I do like girls. So emotionally I'm attracted to girls, but then physically I'm starting to find an interest for guys. Uh, okay, and call me by your name showed me the possibility mm-hmm. of feeling emotions for other guys, which is something that I, maybe I've never did in my life because I didn't have, almost any friends that were guys. So my relationship with men is something that I never really explored throughout mm-hmm. my life. But that's funny that you say that. That made me have a realization. Of course, like I had this before, but it was very clear now that when I was a little girl, talk about like the family talks about, ah, so you have a boyfriend or this or that. And then like, um, uh, how handsome he is or how beautiful the, the in your case uh, is she. Mm-hmm. And it's all based on Are they pretty enough? Are they handsome enough? Or do mm-hmm. they have money, families? And of course, I don't think that people just mean 100% that, but that stays ingrained in you. And in the beginning of my relationships, I was paying way more attention to how the person looked than to if that person actually fed with my personality and my beliefs about the world. And it took me some time to realize, like, what is an emotional connection? It's crazy how we can lie to ourselves. But you you grew up in the same environment as I did. But that's also natural. Like, that's the process of growing up. Yes, but we grew up in a very super, superfluous environment. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that we need to acknowledge. Because you you... That's what people would ask you. That's what mattered is mm-hmm. how how pretty or how handsome the person Still you're with today is. Still today for people who are um, married, you know. What's the background? What's the family? All of those things that 
<laughs> you kind of see in those movies that are depicting um, super super yes. superfluous worlds. It's kind of what we grew up in. Um, and we were completely oblivious to that, I, I think, at some point. I, I think when we started understanding that's what was going on, that's when we left. And, and I've always been perceived as a superficial person mm -hmm. uh, by those who don't know me. I love um, that about you, that people have that belief that you're, I, when people come to me and have this uh, assumption that you're superficial, I'm just like, eh, that's one of the reasons why I love you, because I know you're not. I mean, you know? <laughs> well, I think that that's just made things much easier, you know? Like, if I'm walking in the street... And people are like, okay, this guy is superficial. Is that superficial? Superficial. Okay, yes. sorry. Um, but at least he's good at that, you know. Like, let's give him that. So that was helpful throughout. He's my, good at being superficial. Yeah, he's like literally like, okay, he's a superficial guy, but at least he's good at being superficial. Like, yeah, his clothes are on point, you know. Um, I don't know if we've been rambling, but I feel like since yeah, we've been rambling a bit. Uh, <laughs> I think we were talking about authenticity, right? Yeah. I got but the advice, what was it inside um, of you? So after you actually came out to your parents, which was like, what, last year? Uh, yeah, during the summer? Yeah. Uh, this, I have a secret and then the secret is over. Like, I told my parents. How did you feel after? So that for people who haven't yet done that for themselves, maybe admit to themselves or to the world, like, what did it change in you? How did you feel? Yeah, I think that varies for, for everyone because only you know your relationship with your family. It's not that I was ever afraid that I was going to be rejected. So I was privileged to be in that situation that I never thought uh, that my parents would kick me out of the house, you know? like, mm -hmm. And I think I need to acknowledge that privilege. Or I never even thought that my friends would reject me. That, that never happened. We um, love you always. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it's good that I knew that, you know? Yeah. But a lot of people don't have that. And, and that's why it's... Uh, I, I'm... That's why, like, the LGBT movement is so important, uh, mm -hmm. because although, of course, for a lot of people, things are easier, there are so many others, and I would risk saying the majority of LGBT people around the world are growing up in such difficult conditions where they can't, like, they really feel they can't come out to their parents. Um, but, well, period on that, I think that for me, it was like, okay, I'm gonna tell my parents it's gonna be fine. But I'm not going to plan this because it's too overwhelming if I start planning. So, so planning, talking to them. Yeah. How am I going to talk to them? Okay. I just acknowledge at some point it's like, yeah, one day I will tell them okay. and I'm ready to tell them. So when that day comes, it will come. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of a shit show because I did it in a bad manner. Um, <laughs> I kind of brought everything to the table. So I think if I have to give one advice, it's like, just understand that even if it's not a shock for your parents, it's an uncomfortable moment because, mm -hmm. and not because they're, upset that you're gay but because they're afraid because growing up gay and being gay in this world it is hard and it is still although it's not a problem it will affect your life mm -hmm. in many ways mm -hmm. so for a lot of people in the, ca the case of my parents that are not very informed about what what uh, homosexuality is they, they didn't grow up with many examples and they don't really i don't think mm -hmm. they try to navigate that a lot by themselves maybe out of fear um they only see the dark side of it and they see the problems yep. that being gay brings so they almost ask me like are you sure like can't you change that somehow but yeah. not in a mean way of like we don't want you to be gay but like we're extremely concerned about, about the consequences of so i think what's important and what i should have done and what i recommend is that you acknowledge the situation and you provide them some show them that you feel safe mm -hmm. that you feel like you are strong enough to go through this and that you're gonna straight stay true to your values and to your education mm -hmm. but you're just gonna 
um, kind of let out a part of you that has always been hidden. Mm-hmm. And I think that right now, both my parents and I were navigating, we're going through this process of understanding, okay, they're trying to see, okay, who is he in reality? Like, what was he hiding? And I'm also trying to figure that out. And that doesn't always need to be the flamboyant uh, guy that goes around in high heels and red lipstick. Like, and even if it is, it doesn't matter, you know, but I kind of told my parents like, yeah, be ready for this because this is going to happen. And that's the problem because no, it's just what we want is that we're all able to be ourselves. We're all able to be authentic, even though authenticity is something very ambiguous. Okay. So let's discuss that. What's authenticity for you? (laughs) I don't know. Because I still think that every time that I feel like I'm being authentic is just something very similar to authenticity, but it's not there yet. Yeah, I had that actually in a note. The paradox is the more you try to be authentic, the less authentic you are. Because if you're craving, like if you're desiring to be authentic, then you're not being yourself. Yeah. So it's just something that comes, I think, with a lot of years and it has to come naturally. And that quest for being authentic just makes the whole thing fake. But at the same time, like... I do want to be authentic (laughs) and I keep saying like talking about authenticity but what it is I think is for you to just realize that you were born and like we talk a lot about Portugal because it's our bubble but I believe that if we were born in in Spain or if we were born in China it would be the same thing you'll always criticize or see some of the negative things in your bubble because it's the bubble you grew up in and you want to discover things about yourself and the world so you need to get outside of your home and you can be, even be get outside your home inside your home, you know? It doesn't have to be, like, physically moving away from your home. Uh, you can just move out of your house or move out of that mental space that was, like, you growing up with a family and some friends that had expectations. Because, obviously, if you live with someone, you're going to have expectations. And then realize that, okay, they have those expectations, but that's... I should not define myself by those expectations and I shouldn't go for that degree or date that certain person or whatever it is because I'm expected. You should try to understand what is it that makes your heart sing? What is it that you're passionate about? What is it that you were doing in sixth grade with your best friend? What what comes naturally to you? And then become more of that. And that for me is authenticity, I think. Yeah. And I think you said move out. Uh, I don't. I don't think everyone needs to necessarily move out to find their authenticity, See. like or get See. physically away from where they grew up. That's not. But I think you need to put yourself in um, uncomfortable positions. I think mm-hmm. that's what's what's important is that you kind of um, get away from that. And sometimes, and, and and that's it's very common that narrative of like, I needed to find myself, so I went on a trip around the world. Uh, I actually did that and it helped, Um, but it's not because of that. It's because I was in an uncomfortable position. I was away from all my safety nets and I had to just be. Mm -hmm. And and I was allowed to be without consequences almost, Mm -hmm. which is something that you discover when you are in an uncomfortable position, uh, when you're um, in that, in this case, like abroad or... Uh, in a different environment you discover that you can be yourself without consequences and then Mm -hmm. you just need to bring that idea back to your own life because the consequences don't they do exist and the reality is okay yes now uh you come out and there's people that are gonna stop being your friends so what like do you really want those people to be your friends most likely everything that you're gonna push away from your life for being your authentic self are things that you didn't want for them to be there in the first place 
So that could mm -hmm. be a toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. That could be a toxic friendship. Um, that could be just the environment that you're in. I mean, uh, maybe I don't want to be in this circle of... Um, I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I, I read this. <laughs> I read this. I, but I wanted to say two things. Well, I guess start for the first one and see if it comes. I read this super cool article. And like a lot of, we talk a lot about this. Like, we're so worried about what other people think of us. And like, I felt this so much throughout my life. I still feel it. And it's something I'm trying to get rid of. But that's why I talk so much about authenticity. But this article said like, okay, like, I'm going to tell you something about me. So the guy was saying in this, in the article in Medium, on Medium. And he was saying, um, I love doing those things that I know people will judge. So, for example, during the summer, I always walk barefoot everywhere, like in the mall, like everywhere. Or I take my shirt in the middle of the, like while I'm walking in the, so that just people look. Or I put my music like uh, super loud so that people notice. Because what do you understand about life and about people is that, you have this belief that people will judge you and look at you and even say bad things about you. But a lot of the times they're just going to be indifferent to what you're doing. They're going to look like, okay, this is not normal. So this is extraordinary. This is extra the norm. But it's okay. Like, I'm going to move on with my life. And no one really cares about it that much. And so this can be applied to anything. For example, me writing for Medium is like, okay, I'm so afraid of like maybe writing an article about some part like of, of my experience, something that I'm, I feel uh, of insecure about or something that is very vulnerable and it's very, it comes, it's, it's so transparent that like, I feel of kind of ashamed to share it to the world, but then you share it and then you understand, nope, nothing changed or the podcast, it's the same. So it really is about realizing that most people don't care and that you have this bias that you think that other people are constantly thinking about you, but you're really not that important. So the message here is just do that thing that you're afraid because that thing that you're afraid to do and that part of you that you're afraid to show, if you do that or if you become that and if you allow yourself to show that, that's what's going to make you feel the most happy because you're going to feel like, ah, I belong to the world. And that's the feeling that I'm only starting to get now. And only, like, it's not a only because I'm 21, but I'm so excited to see how, like, it will be when I'll be, like, 40 or even after, or just with, like, 25 even, you know? Like, I'm living a life that I actually wanted to live. It's, like, no expectations of other people. Just, nope, I really wanted to do this, and I'm doing it, you know? How cool must that be? No, I, I, I think that's amazing. And that's, we should all live by that. It's like, just be yourself and just explore yourself. Because a lot of times, of course, now I think I'm being myself. And in a year, I'm mm -hmm. going to look back and it's like, look at you, poser. What were you trying <laughs> to do there? Um, but yeah, I was being myself at the moment. Uh, and I think looking back now, I think it's those moments are increasing. The moments where I can look back and see that I was being authentic. Um, and I think I shared with you, especially this year, I, I, I don't know, my... my I'm really grateful for the experience I had this past year because I've been in a lot of different environments, a lot of different situations, always surrounded um, by different people and meeting new people. And increasingly, I started being more and more and more myself when I was meeting these new people. And it happened like in the beginning of this year, like in January, uh, I had a friend visiting. So we had like an extremely like socially overwhelming week where basically every day I was meeting new people and having people over in my house. And in the end of that week, I felt quite proud because it was like, I was 
myself during the entire time. Mm-hmm. I was kind of consistent, and that's something that I wouldn't find in myself because I've always kind of adapted to the people that I was with. I mm-hmm. I was kind of a chameleon, always fitting in. Um, and I was really being myself with all those people. I got all sort of reactions. Um, obviously, some more positive, some more negative, because there's people I connected more with, mm-hmm. others no. But I felt proud towards the end because it was like, cool, like... I, I was really myself. I was not trying to people please. I, w- I was just yeah. being myself and, and, and that felt great. So I think I want to feel more of that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about just trying to increasingly be increasingly be more more authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will just add to that. And I think we can stay here because I think this is the most beautiful message we could like finish with. Just be authentic, be who you are. Uh, that I think the the goal, at least for me, is to be authentic but what you were saying about adapting to other people i think it's a mix like the perfect balance between being yourself and not being afraid of being yourself and not comparing yourself to others but also slightly adapting to the group that you're with because you have to have that empathy to understand the place you're in and understand the per- the people the the, per- the person you're talking to yeah so it's that perfect balance and and if if i if i must i i would like to just leave a message if there's anyone from the LGBT community listening, just talk to each other. I, and I think that's super important. As soon as you start um, meeting people that probably share similar experiences to you, have those conversations. Talk about your fears. Talk about what what you're going through. And just don't, don't feel the need that you need to prove that you're over it and that you're mm-hmm. already mastering. Because I think sometimes, uh, and I started understanding that uh, when, when coming out, is you, you want to prove others that you already made it you know like uh i'm already out there i figure this out it's done no like just have that conversation with other people and like an honest conversation and maybe spend less time going on um this environments that just serve for you to prove how fabulous you are and how amazing your world is and focus on like sitting down and having an honest conversation with someone understanding their struggle because maybe you're going to learn a lot about yourself as well Mm -hmm. during that process yeah and the importance of friends and opening up because if you don't you'll never understand that sh- there's actually someone that thinks like you mm-hmm. so thank you so much João. it was uh, lovely having you here i have to say again i'm really proud of you truly thank you. from the bottom of my heart i'm really proud of you as well <laughs> And if you're interested in getting to know more about Joao, what he's doing besides his sexuality. Uh, yeah, this was very sexuality-centric. <laughs> I'm yeah. more than gay, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can reach him on his Instagram, and my computer just ran out, so I'm going to do this by heart. <laughs> you don't know my Instagram? No, I know. João M. Goish. Yes? Okay, so I'll I challenge I'll leave... you to understand how to pronounce my name. Oh, you're going to have it in the title. Damn. Yeah, Portuguese people, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll leave everything in the description of this episode. And also, reach out either to João or me if you feel like you want to talk about your story, your struggles. Uh, or also like if you have some feedback some thoughts some ideas you can follow me on instagram at uh now i don't know my own instagram uh at lotta underscore Gedish, but i'll also leave it in the description of this episode you. oh thank you you know my instagram by heart <laughs> or you can follow this my is true friendship guys <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can also 
<laughs> you can also find me on my blog Car uh, at carlotaguedes.com so you can actually subscribe uh, by email so you'll keep updated on any updates <laughs> um, but yeah I hope you had uh... <laughs> I don't know I can't believe this by heart wait uh, so reach out if you have any further thoughts, ideas, if you have some feedback. Uh, I'm very interested in getting to know your story. And thank you, dear listener, for uh, being here with us and our birds and this beautiful nature. And I hope you stay safe and have a beautiful day. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.